It is Monday, October 9th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today, presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Producer Dan is along for the ride as well. And a quick reminder that SeatGeek can make your baseball playoff season even that much better because it is the official ticket marketplace of Major League Baseball. And we're giving you all 10% off your next purchase with the code JOHNBOYPOSTSEASON. That's all caps, all one word. Even if you're a returning customer, doesn't matter. If you've purchased on SeatGeek before, use that code JOHNBOYPOSTSEASON. 10% off to your next baseball playoff game, NFL contest, college football, the upcoming NBA season, your favorite concert, or whatever it is. And a quick reminder, we've got another edition of our SeatGeek Question of the Week coming up on Friday's show, so get your question in via our social media channels by Thursday night. If we pick it, you're going to be a big winner and get a $1,000 credit to use on your next SeatGeek purchase. With that being said, happy Monday, my friend. Happy Monday, C. Rosie. What a weekend of baseball we had. Some things we thought would happen, some things we didn't think would happen. The games were played. We will talk about them. I'm excited, man. How was your Sunday? I know your Sundays are super busy. Well, this one was... You look good this morning, though. This one was brutal. So um, I had to pull triple the rare triple duty because we had an international game on our air. I had to be on the air at 4 a.m. yesterday and then do my regular shift. So I woke up at 1.45 a.m. and I walked in the door yesterday at 10.30 p.m. So that Ooh. was... Uh, that's okay. I'm not going to complain about it because that's I love my jobs. I love what I do. I feel like I still have good energy, but I'm a little tired. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, tip of the cap to baseball relationships. I think that's probably what you miss most about being around the yard on a daily basis. I've heard about that from countless players and managers and coaches and executives. It's all about that. But before the Dodgers and Diamondbacks series got started, Tori Lovello, the outstanding manager of the D-backs, was having his press conference, and in walks Mookie Betts, and we get this. Sorry, guys. i got to give him a hug. He raised me. Okay, if you couldn't hear much of it, that's Lavello and Mookie Betts giving each other a hug. They know each other from their Boston minor league days together. I love that. I, I do too. And Lavello is a guy that I could see that happening with a bunch of guys, not just Mookie Betts. Uh, he has that kind of demeanor and he's approachable. And, and I feel like, like personable and really probably was instrumental in a lot of guys you know feeling good about themselves it's kind of the manager that he is it kind of pumps everybody up makes you feel good about yourself even me when i talk to him you know he's always complimentary about you it's just the person that he is um but i love on the other side of it too mookie like sh paying homage almost you know like mm -hmm. showing some respect like this guy like even though he's the manager on the team we're going against this guy helped me out so much. And it is those relationships that you, that you build, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, Paul Molitor, uh, Tom Brunanski, uh, guys like Tom Kelly, the guys that just help you and that are there for the right reasons when you're in the minor leagues, because you got a lot of voices in your ear and um, you can tell, you know, the guys that are really trying to help you and it sticks with you. So I, I love that interaction as well. That's awesome. All right, so let's get to it. National League is back to work on Monday after a day off because of the scheduling we've got. Both series resume 
one nothing. Road teams won. Let's start with the Phillies. They blanked the Braves in their first game, and tonight it's Wheeler against Freed. Is Philly in Atlanta's head after recent postseason success? People are going to hate this answer, but I, I I think it's yes and no. Of of course, you know these guys. As much as we like to talk about the Braves as some sort of machine, like they're all human. So, yeah, the regular season you got one sixty two. There's a bunch of series you play each of your uh, interdivision teams thirteen times. Like then it's the postseason. And there's a finite amount of games, and you go back to last year, and you know you understand what happened with them getting knocked out by by the Phillies. I would say that. Them looking at the bracket before the postseason and seeing that they'd have to face them in the divisional round again is very it's tough for the Braves. Like they there's something about this Philly squad. You look over there's superstars over there, and they had the recent success. So I believe, yes, it's like, dang, like we got this is gonna be tough. We got to go beat these guys. On the same token, though, they're so confident that I don't really think it's going to matter in the series is it going to be a thought in their head chris that dang the phillies are over there we know what they did to us last year we know how they're playing right now we know the guys on their team they're a bunch of dogs too but at the same time look at us look what we've done look who's in this room so i think it is a little bit of both max freed on the mound tonight he was incredible when healthy this year i think that they're looking to him all those offensive threats they have in the lineup, like, you know what? They're going to do their thing. It's going to be tough against Wheeler, but I think the main thing for the Braves is they need to see Max Fried go out there and give him, like, six innings of really, really good baseball, and that'll change the momentum. But to answer your question, yeah, I do think it's in their head a little bit. It's it, How could it not be? It's human nature to say, man, we those guys kicked our butt last postseason. Here they are again. We're down one nothing. With their ace on the mound game too, like it's going to be in the back of your mind a little bit. But as baseball players, you can quickly axe that out. You've been trained your, you know, your entire career to get those negative thoughts out of your head and have that confidence. You know how I do things. They're feeling the same way there in Atlanta. I, I don't think that's where it is. I, I because the Braves were this close to maybe winning that game the other night, right? What's the play of the game? The Trey Turner double play on Ozzy Albies. That didn't happen because Philly's in Atlanta's head. That happened because Trey Turner's a baller. And Philly's got him all over the place. Now, I think if you, you were to go ask the Philadelphia Phillies, how shocked are they that they finished eight miles back in the NLE standings behind Atlanta? I think they're more pissed about that sort of stuff than anything else. Like, they look at themselves and they say, we're just as good as the Atlanta Braves. Sure. Like, I, I think they honestly believe that. But doesn't that, better. Scare Atlanta, doesn't that scare Atlanta? And I don't think they went into this series being like, oh, last year, let's. I can't believe they beat us. Now we've got to play. I don't think they went into the series mm-hmm. before game one having really any thoughts. That, I, I mentioned that they probably looked to the bracket and said, dang, we got to face them. But as soon as they got to game one, it was wiped clean. But then you lose game one without Wheeler or Nola on the mound. And then, then I think that's when it's like, oh, shit shoot like these guys are for real yeah but i don't think that has to do with the phillies uniform as much as the guys that are inside of the phillies uniform like well that's what i'm talking about i don't think it's like the phillies brand they're scared of i think it's you look over and you see trey turner and bryce harper and jt Ramuto and those two horses that you got games two and game three and i think that 
you start to understand we have to play up to our potential, up to like what Braves baseball is. We have to play that, or these guys are going to beat us. We can't we can't give an eighty percent effort because if we do that, they're going to win. Like we have to go out there. If you're talking about the Braves now, if you're we have to go out there and play our best game. I guess the, the so the question is if Miami had upset Philly in round one, would Atlanta feel differently about the series? Yeah. Yes. I believe so. Once the once you start the game, though, all those thoughts go away. Mm-hmm. All those thoughts go away. You're focused on pitch, pitch by pitch. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. They would be thinking about the series way differently if they're facing the Marlins and the Phillies, 100%. Uh, Phillies in pretty good spot, obviously, with Wheeler going now in game two. Max Fareed's going to be interesting. He's coming off the blister. Hasn't pitched in a game in three and a half weeks. One of his last starts, though, was September 12th against the Phillies. Five innings, one run, six Ks. Let's move over to the other National League series. Dodgers trying to even it uh, behind rookie Bobby Miller. Zach Gallen, the D-backs ace, will be on the mound for Arizona. Uh, Arizona came out and just blasted Clayton Kershaw in game one on Saturday night. He didn't even make it out of the first inning. Ploof, was this just one game or a major statement by the underdog? I think it was a major statement by the underdog. I really do because it was the quality of the at-bats that they were taking throughout the game that, that I think really matter. And, you know, I... Of course, I sent out some texts and said, what what do you guys have on Kershaw? Six, seven straight balls over 100 miles an hour. The responses that I got, well, we didn't have anything. He just didn't really execute the way he usually does. You know, it's more middle of the plate, more up in the zone, and they capitalize on it. But they continue to do that throughout the game. So, look, this team is talented, and when you get guys, you know, all like kind of lined up having good at bats together, that's when teams get scary in the postseason. You know, when you can look up and down the lineup and say, hey, this guy's going to give us a quality of bat. This guy's going to give us a quality of bat. And it's not like the Dodgers have this vaunted starting pitching staff that they've had in recent years. They don't. Like, it's not like you have Bueller, Gonsolin, May, uh, you know, coming and Urias, for that matter, coming up behind Kershaw. It's no, you got Bobby Miller, who's a rookie. And, you know, I think the world of this kid. But it's, it's, the Diamondbacks are feeling really good about themselves and feeling kind of like saucy and swaggy and like really confident. Uh, and if they continue to put those good at bats together with the pitching that they have lined up, I mean, Merrill Kelly kind of feels like he, you know, got over a hump against the Dodgers. Totally. And I know he needed an 11 spot to to do it. That made him feel a little bit more comfortable, but he, but he got there. So I think it was more than just one game. I think that they're really feeling themselves right now. And for me, it's it's the quality of the bats um, that really is is standing out. It's way more than just one game. And I think you have to hear out my explanation a little bit. Okay. The Dodgers and their fans are wondering how we make it through this five-game series. Let's play out the best-case scenario for tonight's game for the Dodgers. Bobby Miller pitches great over six innings, gives up two runs. Dodgers win this thing. They take it to Zach Gallen a little bit. Let's say he only goes five innings and gives up four runs or whatever. Okay? Now the Dodgers are unsure about who they're starting in game three. Dave Roberts said, we're definitely going back to Clayton Kershaw in game four. How do you feel about that right now? 
And then if you get to a game five, you have to turn it over to a rookie again. This is not ideal for a team that has won 100 games four straight years. This is not the plan they had in place. It's just not. It is not. Listen to the comments by Dave Roberts after Saturday's game. said, I'm going to manage game two like it's game seven. I'm going to do the same thing for game three. I do think that's kind of how the fallout will be. Holy shit. That sounds like an inexperienced team that has a ton of pressure on it. Not just one little loss. He just basically made the argument for me that it was more than one game. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the statistics, teams that go down 2-0, I believe, have lost like almost 90% of the time in this series, this five-game format. So I I, I get it. And and yeah, like he, he doesn't have the guys to rely on in the starting rotation. The guys yep. that can say, you know what, this let's just go win this game. Take it one game at a time. It's really like they... They have to, like, like you said, they have to plan a couple days ahead because they, you know, they're probably going to have to piggyback some guys um, during this series. So that eats up a couple bullpen pieces. And how do you deploy your back end of your bullpen? Because you got to keep them fresh. So it's it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be a, a daunting task for the Dodgers, but like it, similar to like a freed with the Braves tonight, like Bobby Miller has to go out there and give them a performance. Yeah. And, and, and the bats have to, get to gallon early well don't let him settle in because if he does it's you're going to be you're going to be down 2-0 the first inning is so critical i mean bobby miller has got to have a clean sheet he's got to get the the dodgers back in the dugout with a zero on that board or that place is just going to go crazy let me ask you this james outman catches that ball could tell Marte's first ball do you think yeah. things are a little different I'm curious. Yeah, I thought about that. And I think just the way that the at-bats went with the Diamondbacks hitting lasers all over. I mean, that ball Didn't was it a look rocket like they ship. had something. I, I, I hate when people say that all the time. No, But you have how many balls in a row over 100 miles an hour? Well, every ball hit that inning, including the one out, the bouncer to Miggy Rowe, was over 96 miles an hour. That's what there I'm saying. It was over 100. My guy said no. I said, you could tell me after the series, I get you probably going to face him again. Uh that's an answer for the offseason. You can't. Yeah, I probably got lied to. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say that I'm going to guess yes, but who cares? So what? Good. Good no, for I mean, them. What I'm saying is what I'm saying is if they did and they, and he's going to go game four again, they better, right. I'm sure I'm sure if the Dodgers are scouring the video right totally. now to see, okay, maybe there was something they didn't. I mean, Kershaw to his credit did not make any excuses and just said, I, I feel like a, you know, feel bad for letting my organization down. Hey, let's just give credit where credit is due. Sometimes we look at these big bad teams like the Braves and Dodgers and think we should rubber stamp their passports to the NLCS. That's not fair, certainly to the Phillies, who are the reigning National League champs, and the upstart Diamondbacks, who have yet to lose a game in the playoffs, even though they haven't played a home game. And remember, they were twice down against the Brewers and their stud starting pitchers, and they came back and they didn't give a shit about it. And then they go out and they score 11 runs against the Dodgers when in their last playoff series that they played, they scored a total of 11 runs in the three-game sweep by the Dodgers against the Diamondbacks in 2017. So good for them. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch both those games today. All right. Uh, I don't know about you, Ploof. My stomach is growling. I am ready to eat. And my dog, my little daughter, Sydney, has kind of taken after her papa. She loves her food. But really, over the last few months when we made the change to the farmer's dog, because they deliver fresh, 
healthy dog food. It's developed by vets. It's nutritionally balanced. It's made from real healthy ingredients to human food safety standards. And the farmer's dog sends the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It's very simple. You go on their website. You fill out a five-minute questionnaire about the size, the breed, the age of your dog, how much activity it gets, what you're looking to accomplish, and boom, they will send you in kind of a freezer pack this amazing farmer's dog food. And it actually says, like, for our dog, it says, here you go, Sydney. Here's your beef. Here's your pork. Here's your chicken. You keep them stowed away in your freezer till you have to use them a few days from then. You put them in your fridge. They'll defrost. And boom, you're on your way. So it doesn't matter if your dog is young or old. It's always the right time to begin investing in their health. Help them lead a happier, healthier life. And right now, you can get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy. Plus, you get free shipping. That's a big deal because it ain't a tiny box. That is thefarmersdog.com slash johnboy for 50% off. At the end of the day, your pooch will run up to you, hump your leg, and say, because that's what my dog does. Let's move over to the American League. Here you go, Trev. Twins and Astros series tied at one, headed back to the Twin Cities on a travel day. Biggest headline stealer so far, Correa in his return to Houston. Jordan with his three bombs in two games. JV's outstanding performance in game one or Pablo Lopez's dominance in game two. Uh, I think Carlos Correa would say Pablo Lopez, and surely he was brilliant uh, in this game against the Astros, holding Jordan down at bay, striking him out twice. Jordan obviously did get his against Brock Stewart. I'm going Carlos Correa. Uh, I've talked about this guy all season long because I've been in the clubhouse and I've just seen it, so it's I know it's true. He's had the biggest impact on that team uh, than or more of an impact on the team than any player on the roster, even Royce Lewis, even Pablo Lopez, because how steady he is. Uh, if the bat isn't going, he's playing banner defense, which he's shown all throughout this postseason already. The pickoff with Sonny Gray, the two plays that end the game last night, um, you know, the play at home uh, on the 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 ball that got past Polanco, and then last night in this game, biggest hit, Kyle Farmer putting them up three nothing. That was. That was awesome, and Pablo Lopez surely was dealing, and that might have been enough. But when you put the game up five nothing, that's completely different. And you knock Framber Valdez out; it was just an incredible at bat. He's he's showing the guys in that clubhouse because there's a lot of young guys and a lot of people who don't have a ton of playoff experience. He's showing them how to handle themselves in these pressure pack situations. So it's Carlos Correa for me. I think I love that the Twins got him. It, we talked about it in the preseason. I think it totally saved the organization from being kind of like in a weird spot where, you know, what are we going to do? Who's going to come in and lead this team? Uh, he's going to be the leader for years to come. And he's got a nice young core that he can help mold and, and really, really turn into quality, quality big leaguers. So I'm, I'm it's Carlos Correa for me. So, Pablo Lopez saved the twin season last night and, in fact, may have tipped the series in favor of Minnesota with Sonny Gray now going in game three. And if this thing goes the distance, then Pablo will be in line to start on Friday back in Houston. But you are right about Carlos Correa. You don't need my words to explain it. How about Chaz McCormick over in the Astros clubhouse who said of Correa, 
He was awesome tonight, but we have to pitch him a little bit better, make sure he's not taking control of the game. That's what he wants to do. Take control of the game and put it in his pace. I've seen him play like this before, and we have to put a stop to it. You never hear baseball players talk about somebody else controlling the pace of a game. That sounds like a point guard. I mean, that sounds like a quarterback running an offense, not a freaking guy who comes up to the plate four or five times in a game. They know over in that Astros clubhouse what he can do because he has rallied those guys before. And by the way, Correa did admit after yesterday's game that, yeah, it probably means a little bit more that it's coming against my boys over there, you know, guys I've had so much success with. But you don't think he's still a little pissed off that the Astros' ownership would rather extend Altuve a second time, give Bregman his $100 million, uh, you know, make sure that everybody else is taken care of, but not the young guy who was still in his prime when he became a free agent. I know Jeremy Pena has worked out just fine for them, but I, I, right. I, I, if I'm running the Astros, I, I would have kept every single one of those guys locked up. I know it's going to be hard to continue to do it with Kyle Tucker on the horizon. Um, but shoot, man. I mean, think about, I would love to have George. I mean, the Astros would love to have George Springer out there maybe patrolling left field. Um, they'd love to have Carlos Correa at shortstop. I'm sure I, I would, I would have loved, to see what those guys could have done all together if they would have kept them similar to what the Braves, you know, kind of have cooking there in Atlanta. So I think he's feeling great though, about where he is, to be honest with you. I, I mean, the conversations I've had with them, he feels very, very much at home and, and, and comfortable in Minnesota. So. Yeah. I guess my point is about the free agency. I have no problem with what, um, with what Houston did at all. I mean, zero letting him go. It's kind of, their mo right with george springer yeah. and with garrett cole um it doesn't matter they they will move on from superstars and they won't bat an eye and you can't argue with the amount of success they have had to me it was just such an interesting decision that a guy who was up after his age 26 season 26 the other guys they're letting go might have been 29 you know approaching 30 it's a little bit easier decision man to let one of your own that you made the number one overall pick let go, that says something to me, and I think it's a thing that Correa will never come out and publicly say because he's too buttoned up to do it. But, man, behind closed doors, I imagine it eats at him a little bit. Yeah. I think so. All I can tell you is thank God we have a 1-1 series somewhere. That part, That part's nice, and we might have a couple of them after tonight. I hope so, because I just love more baseball. But this series, feel, this feels like a good series. I just, I'm super excited about it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Texas heads back home, one win shy of making the ALCS. They erupted for 11 runs in game two. Is this just a question of Baltimore's young guns getting caught up in the bright lights? I don't think so. I mean, you could point to a few, un, you know, underwhelming performances. You know, Grayson Rodriguez obviously is a rookie, and he, you know, after the first inning, kind of, you know, melted there. So I, I think you could say that a little bit, but I think more so just Texas kind of continuing to be the hot team. You know, the bats we know are going to be there, especially you know in these longer series, you're going to have offensive explosions from this team because that's just kind of what they do. I mean, go look at 
their lineup up and down, especially with the addition of Evan Carter, just to continuously lengthen that lineup. I think that's something that needs to be talked about. Uh, he's been he's been incredible. Um, so I guess you could say, yeah, a, a little bit of inexperience showing up, but it's they've kind of played from behind all year long, and they've been able to catch teams. You know, they're you know some of the best. I think they had the best comeback a record. Uh, are the most comebacks in the big leagues this year. They just haven't been able to do it against a Texas offense that, you know, will continue to score. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do on the road. They had an incredible road record. I did not know they had that good of a road record. I have it up right here. What is it? 52 and 29. Very good. 52 and 29 on the road. So that tells me that we're all like, you know, we're talking about the inexperience and the young guys getting caught up. To be able to go on the road and to have that many comebacks, I think this team is capable of, you know, answering the bell. So I think you could chalk it up to a few bad games. They got their backs against the wall big time. Um, and they're going to need the young guys to step it up. And, you know, Adley Rushman, I guess, hasn't really got going offensively. So you could speak on that. Uh, but I would give more credit to the Rangers for coming out and just putting a hurting. Yeah, by the way, game one, we never really got a true answer of what happened on the stolen base, the thrown. So we did. We did. We finally did. Yeah, it was a hit and run yeah. that Aaron Hicks missed. Well, he's not a kid. He's got a lot of playoff experience, and no. so we can't chalk that one up. I would say, uh, once again, I want to maybe pat Texas on the back, and I was as tough as anybody on them over the last several weeks of the regular season. And then through the playoffs, I didn't think they'd make it through Tampa, and they did. You know, they haven't had a home game since September 24th. But they've That's been crazy. like missing. They've been missing. They've been wandering throughout the uh throughout the United States from coast to coast and they have found their way to the winners column. So this is an amazing story. You know, I I know that you're not huge on managers, but I think that Bruce Bochy has been worth every penny that they have paid him to not only get them through a season in which they saw their 185 million dollar ace give them six starts. And then the guy who they got to replace him at the trade deadline, not be available for their most important series of the year. So once again, I'm going to let somebody else tell the story. Yesterday, Bochi pushed the right buttons again, putting Mitch Garver, not only in the lineup for the first time since October 1st, but in the three hole, no less in the three hole. So Garver said afterward, it's kind of hard to read the emotion on Bochi because sometimes it looks like he's folded up in a lawn chair sitting there watching the game. <laughs> yes, we trust his decisions and the way he manages the game. Like when you look and you see that your fearless leader is like, we're going to be fine. I imagine that just lets you play baseball, right? Yeah, of course. So he's the, the steadiness that Bruce Bochy provides is, you know, it permeates throughout the clubhouse, no doubt. I think it's hilarious what he's done with the three hole in his lineups. I mean, he's been, it's been Robbie Grossman and then Mitch Garver. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys. They're very good big league hitters. But three hole backing up Corey Seeger, it's interesting right. to say the least. But Garver put that swing on that ball. That was nice, man. Um, yeah, our friend Britt Giroli writes over at The Athletic and does an amazing job, says, if you're going to look at it from the Orioles' standpoint, this was a time in terms of missed opportunity to get somebody in here at the trade deadline time. You know, Don't look at what Texas... tell Oriole fans that. I know that. Do well, not tell Oriole fans they needed starting pitching. 
Well, right. You turn the ball over, much like the Dodgers are doing today. The Orioles did it in game two. They turned it over to Grayson Rodriguez, who was fantastic down the stretch, but still has fewer than 25 big league starts. So now you're giving the ball in the most important game of the year, and he can't make it out of the second inning, and the team as a whole walks 11 batters. That's a problem. The two guys you did bring in, Jack Flaherty, is now unfortunately a mop-up reliever for them, and Fuji didn't even make the playoff roster. They might, If they end up losing this and don't get a game at all, it's going to be an amazing job by Michael Elias, who might win executive of the year, and Brandon Hyde is going to win the manager of the year, and they're going to sit there and say, damn, I hope we didn't miss an opportunity. She makes a bunch of good points in that column. If you uh, have a subscription or have the ability to read it, go do it. So day off for the American League. All right, last thing before we get out of here. Uh, Saturday, we had two big-name baseball celebs celebrating birthdays. He had Mookie Betts walking into Dodger Stadium. He almost blended in. There's a there's a great area en route to the Dodgers um, locker room where they have all the gold gloves. So he almost blended in perfectly with his outfit, which was stunning. And then you had Longo. By the way, Mookie turned 31. Longo turned 38, and he showed up to game one wearing a Luis Gonzalez throwback D-backs jersey. Better pregame fit in L.A. Oh, those are both good. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I could pull the Mookie outfit off. You could. I totally. I, I don't know if I could. Yes, actually, to be yes you could. You could. <laughs> okay, thanks, bro. You have enough swag. Uh, I like them both, but I'm going to go with like the throwback paying homage jersey. I'm into it, dude. I, I think I that's really cool. Pablo Lopez is the same thing with um, Johan Santana. Uh, Longo gets it, you know, I think it's just, it's really cool to, to do that, to, you know, point to the past and kind of draw from that inspiration. Obviously everyone should know what Luis Gonzalez did for the Diamondbacks. Um, so I'll go with Longo. Yeah. You know what? I think that'll be a question on one day show. If, uh, if you were playing in a playoff series for your favorite team, whose throwback would you wear? Oh, Kirby Puckett. Good one. I Not like even that. A, no doubt. I would summon my inner Kirby Puckett. Yeah. I've got a red Frank Robinson Cleveland jersey from when he was the player manager in the mid-70s. Oh, that's great. That's great. It'd no either problem. be for me Kirby Puckett or Jamie Carroll. I would do one of those. Jamie two. Carroll. Because I'll tell you why. If I was feeling like bang and I was feeling good, Kirby Puckett. If I was like, I need to get in my grind mode, gritty utility infielder mode, Jamie Carroll. And if I had to pick my favorite player from Cleveland when I was growing up, I would wear a Dwayne Kuyper jersey. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, don't forget to get your SeatGeek question in the week in by Thursday night. Once again, we're going to give away $1,000 in SeatGeek credit. If we use your question on Friday's show, we had a great one last week. So make sure you do your due diligence. Do your homework, kiddies. And enjoy the two National League series. We'll be breaking them down on Tuesday's show. Get you all set for Game 3 in the ALDSs as well. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented Trevor Blue, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday on Baseball Today.